Hey, 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 welcome back to the House of Trauma podcast. It's your favorite podcast host, Kiana Breanne. Now let's get into it. We're living in uncertain times right now. There is so much distress and uncertainty going on in the world, within our country, within our own personal communities, and within our own personal lives. With that being said, I understand that it can be kind of hard or extremely difficult in some cases to kind of navigate our way through life's challenges. It's no secret that I've been face to face with a number of challenging circumstances throughout my life. And there's this trial and error (laughs) that I had to go through in order to kind of successfully, for lack of a better word, to successfully navigate my way through life's challenges so that when I'm faced with a similar challenge or even something that is completely brand new that I've never been face to face before, I'm able to kind of navigate it without losing my mind. And I I want to start off by saying that there will never be a period in your life where you don't face some type of adversity, right? There's no level of success. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of planning and strategizing that you can do to prevent you from facing a challenging situation. Because what we know for sure is that life is a constant state of change. Things are always changing. And sometimes that change can be uncomfortable. Different examples of um, life events that can happen that can create comfortable or, well, really uncomfortable change can be job loss, death of a family member or a close friend, um, injury, illness, and I mean, the list goes on and on. And again, these changes within your life, these circumstances are uncomfortable. They bring a deep discomfort in your spirit. They make you uneasy. Because it's unexpected and it might not be something you ever wanted or ever expected. And for that reason, it can be kind of hard to digest. It can be kind of hard to be content when you're outside of your comfort zone. But I got news to tell you, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And maybe everything isn't as dramatic, um, as death or injury or illness. Um, There can be a lot of different life events that happen um, to where it's just an uncomfortable place for you. And I will give some examples of my own personal experiences with um, uncomfortable change, even within the past year. But before I do that, I want to talk about comfortable change, because sometimes you will find yourself in a state of comfort within your change and comfortable change can look like um, starting a new job, a job you always wanted, going back to school. Um, And I mean, those things can have a period of uncertain or uncomfortability as well. But maybe you decided to move across the country. Maybe you decided to get out of a toxic relationship and you're now enjoying your your freedom, right? So there are different times in your life where things can be comfortable and it's a normal part of life, right? And it's necessary. But comfortable change is also expected 
And that's how it differentiates between uncomfortable change because it's intentional, right? And you're often prepared for this change because it's something you you wanted and something you intended to happen. I believe now that all change is important and it's a blessing in disguise. But change can be supremely inconvenient, uncomfortable, and naturally scary, right? Because you don't know what to expect. You don't know if you're making the right decision, if you're making the wrong decision. Are you being punished? You know, sometimes when things change within your life that you feel is a negative experience, you may begin to feel like maybe you're being punished or that you did something wrong. And I hope that by the end of this episode, I have changed your mind and your perspective on what it feels to be uncomfortable within life's changes and also how to successfully navigate your way through. Okay. So again, changes can be a blessing in disguise and it's important for you to kind of change your perspective on how you're viewing the change within your life. Right. I believe our mind is our most valuable resource that we take with us everywhere that we have with us every day, all day that is ours all on our own. And you have to be able to control your mind because when things are hard, when things are tough, when things get overwhelming, it can be so easy to adopt the wrong mindset and let the negativity consume you. And so we have to do the opposite. We have to adopt the right mindset and start fighting that inner war. You must accept, invite, and embrace the change that's right in front of you because it's inevitable. It's inevitable. The change is already here. It's already present. But what's important is how you approach the change versus the actual change within itself. And it's extremely difficult. Make no mistake. I am a living testament to extremely difficult changes in life. Let me tell you, the last year has been an extreme roller coasters of emotions. I find myself asking God sometimes, am I still on the right track? Is this still what you want me to do? I remember a little under a year ago, I was crying in my apartment Asking God to explain himself because I didn't understand the changes that were happening so rapidly right in front of me. And dare I say, I thought I was being punished. But now, looking back, I was not being punished. Not only was it character building, it was mind altering. And it was, in a sense, making me stronger for what was to come. And also, you guessed it, it was a blessing in disguise. Everything that I felt like was happening to me was happening for me. And I'm a strong believer in the path of least resistance. Sometimes we're holding on to something so hard and God is telling us to let it go. God is begging us to let it go. God is doing all he can to force us to let it go. And we're still holding on to it because we're scared to walk out that door and see what's waiting for us on the other side. 
And I remember when I was talking to my Dallas bestie about everything that was happening and then, you know, updating her along my journey. And she said that my story reminded her of um, it's like a meme, like a picture of um a little girl, she's holding this teddy bear and it's a small teddy bear. It's a decent teddy bear for a, a child of her size. And she's like, but Jesus, I love it. And Jesus has a bigger teddy bear behind his back. And he's telling her to trust him. And this is where our faith comes into play. And Sometimes when my sisters and my friends are telling me, like, I really want to do this, but I'm afraid that if I do it, then this is going to happen. Like, I really want to quit my job to focus on my business, but I'm afraid my bills aren't going to get paid. And my response is always, well, how much do you trust God? Right. How much do you trust that if this is what God really wants you to do, because I'm going to have to assume that if you're having this conversation with me, it's already a conversation that you've had with God. So if this is something that God has either instructed you to do, guided you to do, placed it on your heart or given you permission to proceed with. Why would he lead you off a cliff? God will never do that. God will never give us more than what it is that we can handle in this life. So again, I have to ask, how much do you trust God to do everything for you that he already said he was going to do? And I'm no saint, right? I'm no perfect Christian. So there are times in my life where I have to sit back and be like, okay, Kiana, how much do you trust God? Because you, you tripping and you panicking. One time I was talking to my sister and she's like, don't be so worried about money, right? Because my money was looking a little funny knock on wood but it was a difficult time for me when I wasn't working and I'll tell you this quick story so I'm currently in training for Alaska Airlines to be a flight attendant I was already a flight attendant before with Skywest Airlines so I remember I was based in San Diego and um, and I'll talk more about San Diego a little later but I was based in San Diego and I was commuting from Dallas to San Diego from Texas to California is, is a big jump Flights are anywhere from three and a half to four and a half hours, depending on which way you're going. So I'm commuting, but I'm also moving around a lot because I'm flying. And it, if you're not a flight attendant, this probably doesn't make much sense. But long story short, there was very little time that I had to rest. And I remember one day I was crying. And I was laying there and I was crying and I was begging God. I'm like, God, please, I'm just so tired. I just want to rest. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? It's to rest, right? So fast forward to August. Um, it was a lot going on in August. Um, my best friend unfortunately lost one of her brothers. And my granddad also passed away within a week of each other. Um, we were also dealing with the trial for the murderer who killed my dad in 2019. Um, and... It was a month before I was starting my training with Alaska. So mind you, I end up basically taking a whole month off before starting my training with Alaska. Now, my intention was not to take that month off. I did need to take some time mentally to be able to process everything that was happening all around me. Not to mention, I'm still tired from working and flying all the time. So... Without going into too much detail, God essentially, this this is what I now know and believe to be true. God gave me that month off because I asked him for rest. But guess what? During that month, I didn't work. 
Mm. But my bank account was never empty. I never asked anybody to borrow money. There was never a time where a roof wasn't on my head, where clothes were not on my back, and where I wasn't eating good. Okay? I never miss a meal or a good drink. You hear me? So the point I'm trying to make in all of this, because I don't want to keep rambling, is I asked God for something and he gave it to me, but it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like when I cried and begged for rest. But he gave me that rest more time than I've even asked for. I didn't I didn't need a month off or so I thought. And in the beginning of it, when I knew I wasn't going to be working for the whole month prior to starting work again, and mind you, my training right now is unpaid and I'm still not missing a meal. It was difficult in the beginning to see what God was doing because we expect to know every step of the, every step of the way, every action before it happens. And that's just not how life works. But I had to ask myself, Kiana, how much do you trust God? And do you believe that he's going to do everything he said he was going to do? And he's going to provide for you in every way that he said he was going to provide for you. And I'm just so grateful to have a God who loves me so. And God loves you too. And I want you to always remember you are not your circumstance. This situation, this challenge, this change is only a moment in time. And when we're in the thick of a situation, we think that it's going to last forever because we couldn't comprehend or even think or imagine exactly how it's gonna end how's the situation going to turn around but you must remember that you're resilient not only can you withstand a difficult situation but you can recover from a difficult situation I encourage you to believe in yourself I encourage you to acknowledge that truth the more you're open to change the sooner you'll be able to see and accept reality for what it is and move forward in productive ways. I challenge you to transform your difficult situation into an opportunity. I heard a quote, actually multiple times, from my favorite YouTuber, Sin the Cancerian, and she says, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. When nothing is certain, anything is possible. So let's alter what we believe to be something that's working against us and challenge ourselves to believe that it's something that's working for us. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Like that's that's the reality of it. And the sooner you accept that change is uncomfortable, the easier these next few steps are going to be. Know that you don't have to have all the answers at once. And that's okay. We're we're human beings. We want to have all the answers at once. And right now we're living in a society and a culture where everything is for instant gratification. But believe me when I say nothing worth having happens overnight. And I challenge you to ask yourself, literally sit down and ask yourself, this current circumstance, why do I believe that it's so hard? And there is no wrong answer, right? Just first identify why do you believe that this situation is hard? Then I want you to assess and try to determine what it is that you can do 
in this moment to change your circumstance. No wrong answers. This, this is for you, by you. Then once you come up with that answer, if you were able to come up with an answer, start to think of tangible steps that you can take right now in this moment. Because we need to just take it one step at a time, right? If you're having difficulty coming up with an answer, then accept that maybe it's not for you to change. Sometimes you have to sit in the storm. A little rain ain't never hurt nobody. God is still with you in the storm. If nothing else, he's with you more when you're in the storm. So again, I am a flight attendant in the last year, my first year of being a flight attendant was extremely difficult, but it was also extremely satisfying. People ask me all the time, do I like my job? I love my job and I cannot imagine doing anything else at this moment in time with my life. When there was a period and if I wasn't sure if I was still going to be a flight attendant, I was like, well, then what do I do now? Do I go back to retail? Ugh, gross. <laughs> like, like, what is it that I'm going to do right now with my time? But again, it came with a series of challenges. Um, my attempted relocation to San Diego, which is not off the table. You know, I believe I don't believe in coincidence. And I believe that I was in San Diego for a reason. But that's a whole nother story. However, um, like I mentioned before, it was difficult to commute from Texas to California. It was really hard. I had never had to get on a plane and sit there for four hours to get to work. And anybody who's ever flown before, you know that it's unpredictable, right? Uh, Flights can be canceled. Flights can be delayed. um, And then as flight attendants were flying standby. So maybe I show up to the airport at six in the morning and there's no seats available for me. There has been times where I spent hours, almost full days in the airport waiting to get on a flight. It was something I had never experienced before. And then with being um, based in San Diego, there are no crash pads and crash pads are typically, typically places where people stay um, where flight attendants stay, and a lot of times you don't have your own room. It's a it's a shared environment where flight attendants stay whenever they're um, in town because they're commuting to base. So if you live within base, then obviously you stay at home. But um, it came with a lot of trial and error. I went through hotels, Airbnbs. I stayed with a coworker, and it was it was extremely difficult. And um, it wasn't always difficult. Eventually, I started to get the hang of it and I started to figure things out, but I was also on call. So there would be some days where they didn't call. I mean, some checks I would get and they would be $600. And then again, now I'm worried about money again. And I'm just like, well, is this worth it? Because I'm not making the money that I would make if I was a retail manager. I would be making triple, quadruple the money that I'm making now per check. And so things, things didn't always go my way. Things very rarely went how I expected it. There would be months where I was working all the time where I didn't have a day off. And that was fine by me. And so my my checks were bigger. But again, there was one month where it was a week straight and I didn't work. And I'm just sitting in San Diego, but I'm staying in an Airbnb, right? And so I'm only paying for it by the day because if I get called in to work, to work a three-day trip, I don't want to have three days left in my Airbnb because now I'm paying for nothing when my company is going to provide the hotel while I'm on this three-day trip, if that makes sense. 
But there will be days where I'm like, okay, I'm on call from 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. And I have to check out of the Airbnb at 11 a.m. Do I check out or do I not check out? Like, do I pay for it again? And one time I actually did pay for it again and they called me at 12. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. And when things weren't going my way, I would be asking God, like, is this still what you want me to do? Because again, I'm all about the path of least resistance. So... I sometimes had trouble deciding if I was still on the right track. But again, this is where my faith comes into play and putting God at the forefront and believing that if this is something that God approved for me to do or wanted for me to do, that he would ensure that I was taken care of and I was always taken care of. But there was a long period where I felt that I was in isolation and what us Christian people would say. Um, I was in the wilderness season. And when you're in your wilderness season, it can be extremely lonely. And it can be extremely challenging. And you really don't know when you're going to come out, right? Like the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness, uh, trying to get to the promised land. And when you're in that space, it's really easy for your thoughts to take control. So this goes back to reigning in your mind and grabbing control of it. And what I learned about God in my wilderness season was that any word from God, even if you feel convicted, It's not negative. So when my mind would get consumed with negative thoughts, I would have to stop them in their track and realize that this wasn't a word from God, but a word from the enemy. It took me a while to realize that God was transforming me and maybe even breaking me down so that he could build me back up. My wilderness season began a year ago in my apartment when I asked God to explain himself for all the difficult change that was happening back to back. And at one point, I I truly believed that I didn't want to do this anymore. I'm like, God, I don't know the plans you have for me, but maybe you picked the wrong soldier because this is extremely difficult. It's hard. It's lonely. I didn't have my family with me. I didn't know anybody. I was staying at a hotel one day and an Airbnb the next day, and I didn't have a car in San Diego, and it was a lot going on. And again, I was flying a lot. I was traveling a lot, and that, that, that type of thing can be really hard on your body. It was a big change. And I didn't really know how to navigate my way through it. So I had to lean on God. I had to lean on God heavy. I had to stop having conversations with my sisters and with my friends because Matthew 633, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added on to you. You see, the wilderness is a place of refining and preparation as we cooperate with God in the midst of it. I didn't know it then, but God was processing me. He was changing me. He was building me. He was preparing me for something much bigger than I could ever imagine. And in the beginning, I was like, okay, well, it's just going to be a little while. But months went on and months went on 
and, and I felt like my situation wasn't changing and, and I started to get overwhelmed. But it was important to keep leaning into God, keep showing gratitude, keep building my faith. This last year has built my faith to an unimaginable level. We talk about the faith of a mustard seed. I'm so far past gone. <laughs> I'm so, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than me. I was locating my purpose without even knowing it. And the whole time as I was, one day I'm good, one day I'm not. God was saying, focus on me. Focus on me. There is no time limit. Pastor Stephanie once said, you can't pray or fast your way out of a wilderness season. You just cannot because God's timing is everything. God has a time and a place for everything. And no matter how hard you beg or plead or whine or complain, everything will still happen on God's timing. And so I was resisting. I was complaining a lot. It got to the point where I was just like, damn, you really are complaining. Like I was complaining a lot because I, I wasn't happy with the situation. I felt like I should have been in a better situation. It was almost like I thought I knew better than God. And one day I got down on my knees and I prayed and I apologized and I asked God for forgiveness because I prayed and I asked to be a flight attendant and you gave me that. I wanted to be in San Diego and you gave me that. But you didn't just give me what I asked for. You gave me everything I needed and much more. Shall I remind you, I never slept on the streets. I never wondered what I was going to wear the next day. I have a closet full of clothes I'm trying to get rid of right now. I never had a moment where I didn't eat. And what's crazy, side note, one time I was like, oh, I'm actually a little low on money. And I was trying to eat something. And the, um, I think it was... I don't remember the CEO of the company has sent everybody gift cards and I use that gift card to get some food because I didn't get paid for another couple days. And again, the checks could be big. They could be small. It was, you know, it was weird. My phone was always on, like everything was always taken care of. And I actually want to briefly talk about the book of Job because so many people are like, oh, I want to have Job like faith. Oh, I want to have Job like faith because Job had everything. He was very wealthy. He had many children. He had a wife, you know, everything worked out for Job. And so the Satan told God, this, this is in the Bible, Job only praises you because of the things you give him. God's like, no, that's not true. This is just a summary. God's like, no, that's not true. Now prove it to you. You can take anything except for his life. Job lost everything. He lost his, his fortune. He lost his children. He was even, you know, riddled with blisters. Yet Job refused to curse God. Instead, he blesses God and recognizes that his integrity and his innocence don't always guarantee a blessing. God's exact words was Job is blameless and God is both good when he gives and when he takes away. And that was kind of hard for me to digest because I think a lot of times we just base it on if, if you're good and you do right and you follow your Bible, you'll have all the, the great things in life and you will. But that doesn't mean that there won't be adversity. And even Job said that. 
Should we accept good from God and not adversity? That's literally one of my favorite scriptures because I think when we're in the midst of triumph, it's so easy to turn our back on God because we feel like we're being punished. But the book of Job wasn't written to show us someone who suffers well, but instead to help us think rightly about God, especially when we suffer. And that's something that I had to learn. And it was a hard lesson to learn. If you don't remember earlier, when things first started going wrong in my life for what I perceived to be wrong, but actually turned out to be a blessing, I demanded God to explain himself because what is it that I've done that was so wrong that I deserve this? Maybe I am being punished. I wasn't being punished. And it took me a while to really get it, to really understand it, to really digest it, to be like, you know what? God, I have all that I need. And if I don't have anything else in this world, I'm completely satisfied with just you. Because one thing's for sure and two things for certain. God is just and God is righteous. Another example of a difficult challenge in my life was losing my dad. Losing a parent is extremely difficult. And if you haven't already listened to Losing a Parent Part 1 and Losing a Parent Part 2 and even Daddy Love You, all those podcast episodes go into my relationship with my dad and my feelings and my challenges after I lost him. But the point I'm trying to make here is when when my dad first died, I was in a state of disbelief because I felt that he was innocent. And innocent people shouldn't have to die. And... I was able to to start to begin to build my relationship with God. And had I not, I would not have been able to navigate my way through that. And, and I'm still doing it. It's still a challenge. It's still very difficult to process. But I'm processing it in the healthiest way I know how in this moment. Because in the beginning, I didn't process it in a healthy way. I did quite the opposite, actually. And again, it's, it's those trial and errors, right? It was a lot of trial and error learning about the negative ways that we as humans tend to cope with. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I completely understand why people turn to drugs and alcohol. I do. Life is hard. Life is difficult. But I'm here to encourage you that you don't have to go through this alone and you don't have to let these challenges consume you because they can easily consume you. And when it begins to consume you, when it begins to become overwhelming, when you feel like you're on the edge, this is when self-care comes into play. Don't be afraid to isolate and take time for yourself. I used to be afraid to to completely shut out the world, to turn my phone off. I'm the queen of do not disturb now. <laughs> my brother asked me what time, why is my phone always on do not disturb? Because I do not want to be disturbed, right? Because sometimes I shut my phone on do not disturb and I go into self-care mode. And whatever self-care looks like for you, do that. Self-care for me can be a bath, music, a glass of wine. It could be my Bible study. It could be a walk. Like it could just be me taking a nap. And I have that right to do that. And so do you. 
you know, other uh, examples, prayer. Sometimes I pray to God and it might be a two minute prayer. Sometimes I pray to God and it could be 30 minutes of me on my knees with my head to the ground, praying to God, thanking God, asking God for forgiveness. I encourage you to increase your prayer life and your meditation life. (laughs) Meditation has been so instrumental in me being able to control my mind. And I've done where I feel like I don't have time to meditate and I'll do a 10 minute prayer. And when I open my eyes, when that 10 minutes is over, not only do I feel better mentally, I feel better physically. Right. Other ways that you can um, implement self-care is exercise. The hardest thing for me to do when I'm working out is to get up and do it. But when I'm done, oh, Yes, Lord, I feel like a new person and I feel so great for having done that. And sometimes I'll walk on a treadmill on incline for an hour, listening to a scripture or listening to some music, you know, doing whatever for me that's going to help me. And after I go upstairs and I take my shower and I get out and I get in the bed, I feel 10 times better than how I felt before. Journaling is another way. Sometimes I even write letters to myself. I write letters to God. I write letters to people who I feel have wronged me. And that's another way for me to kind of let it out. It's like a, a form of therapy for me. Speaking of therapy, that's an amazing way to help navigate your way through life's challenges. Because we can talk to our friends all day. We can talk to our family all day. I call my mom a lot when I'm trying to process things. And I used to call my dad a lot when I was trying to figure out if I was making the right decision or, you know, how I should go about a certain situation. But seeking counsel from a professional is important. And uh, unfortunately, I know therapy is still taboo in some people's minds and in some people's communities and even your household. But don't be ashamed for wanting better for you. Prioritize your mental health because I can't stress it enough. Life is so hard. It's so hard. I know. I know. But we are responsible for ensuring our health both physically and mentally and I know that some things or sometimes it may be uh holding you back from doing therapy because maybe you can't afford it you know it's a huge or it can be a huge financial commitment to go to therapy especially if you're wanting to do this consistently and we aren't all in um a situation where we have adequate health insurance that would be able to release us from the financial burden of um, having to go to therapy. But the good news is that there are a ton of resources available now as people are beginning to focus more on mental health. There are a ton of resources available now to where you are able to lessen your financial burden so that you can get the help that you need. 
I know you've probably seen the ads for BetterHelp.com. That's something I've looked into as well. I also found I'm a website therapy therapy for black girls, which I think is super important because for me personally, I want a therapist that can at least in some way relate to me or, you know, my circumstances, just being a black woman in America. So it would do me well and it would be my preference to at least have a woman of color preferably a black woman be my therapist and these are both online options so maybe you don't have the time to go in and see someone I believe there's options for texting emailing video calls voice calls like they are making it so convenient for us now so I encourage you to use this and find your resources and I um I even uh I found something um, a little while back. It's called the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And they help you find um, offers and information, not offers, but information and resources in your area. And it's also a crisis hotline. So you can call them at 1-800-950-6264. Or you can even text them, 741-741. Yeah, like there there are resources available and out there for you and it's it's okay. You can get through it. Um there are websites that offer payment plans and financial aid. I think at one point BetterHelp was offering um $45 a week for unlimited therapy, right? And access to your therapist. So again, I can't stress it enough, do not neglect your mental health, especially when you need it the most. Again, that that phone number for the National Alliance on Mental Health is 1-800-950-6264. And you can text NAMI, which is National Alliance on Mental Health Illness. That's the acronym for it. You can text NAMI to 741-741. And I did text and I did call because I wanted to make sure that this was still up to date and um, because it was a while I actually think last year when I first stumbled across it but I wanted to make sure that this was still accurate it was still up to date it was still an available resource for you and I can confirm it is you heard it from me if it's not but I know that it is then you can come back and let me know I lied but one thing about me I don't lie (laughs) so go ahead and reach out to them if you feel um, empowered to And one thing I want to mention is realize that when you're navigating through life's challenges in a healthy way, you are helping heal the collective through your growth. Sometimes you don't even know who's who's watching, who's learning and who feels inspired by your actions. And I guarantee that if you're going through a difficult circumstance that somebody you know or somebody you don't know is either going through it at the same time will go through it or has already gone through it and also remember um, as you're kind of navigating your way through and you're trying to factor in your self-care to distribute your time evenly right it's all about that work-life balance okay And, uh, you know, prioritize things, definitely prioritize um, from important to maybe least important 
take it one day at a time and try not to overwhelm yourself with tasks. If you have a lot on your plate, sometimes it's okay to just say, I'm not doing this today. Because it will be there tomorrow. And most importantly, don't take on more than what you can handle. I think that's the number one thing I see people doing. And I was a victim of it myself. Biting off more you, more than you can chew. Do not take on more than you can handle. Don't stretch yourself thin because your physical, your mental and emotional health has to matter to you more than being there for somebody else. And don't get me wrong. It's important to keep your word and to be... Um, Someone who is dependable to your family and friends because you want family and friends that are dependable to you. But remember that you have to be your number one priority. Remember to bring your awareness to the present moment so you can consciously respond instead of subconsciously reacting. Challenge yourself to look for the lesson within life's challenges. And remember, as the great sin once said, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. My name is Kiana Breanne. This is the House of Trauma podcast. And I'll see you next week. If you or someone you know is suffering a crisis or mental illness, know that you are not alone and the help is available please reach out to your local social services or the National Alliance on Mental Illness at 1-800-950-6264. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or text TALK to 741-741.